You're listening to the Retirement Solution Podcast with John Hicks. Helping you solve the retirement puzzle. Welcome to the Retirement Solution with John Hicks. Here with John Hicks, I'm Jennifer Perry. And remember, if you have any questions for us, Here on The Retirement Solution, you can always drop us an email through our website at retirementsolutionradio.com. A lot of people right now are having trouble sleeping, John, for various reasons, I'm sure. But one in four people surveyed by bankrate.com say they are literally losing sleep over worries that maybe they haven't done enough. Maybe they haven't saved enough when it comes to retirement. And Hmm. I want people to sleep a little bit better at night, especially right now. You deserve a little shut eye. So how do we get there? Well, I mean, there's a really simple answer, which is, hey, just run your numbers, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the that's, that's the simple answer. You just have to run your numbers. So, but here's the question, guys. If you're out there and if, if you ever have lost a little bit of sleep, especially when it comes to, you know, thinking about retirement, you know, whether it's going to be, you know, eight years down the road or three years, or maybe you thought you were there mm-hmm. and now you're wondering, hey, can I, can I still do this? I mean, is this going to work out? Or maybe you just retired and now you're thinking, oh man, you know, if things are going to be weird in the economy. I mean, can we still afford to do it this way? Yeah. But here's the question. What is making you lose the sleep? I mean, what are you actually worried about? Because sometimes when we stop working or we think we're going to stop working or we're contemplating, what are we going to do? We feel like we lose control. Right. Because as long as we're working and we can keep that job, we know that we can bring in an income. And with that income gives us a certain amount of control. But when we retire or when we're thinking about that, That is especially for men. Guys, this is just very true. When it comes to us, we're wired different. Mm -hmm. We feel like we lose a tremendous amount of control when we don't have a paycheck coming in. Yeah. And that's really the big thing, isn't it? So what we just said, and here's what I just condensed all this to. And if you had a different uh, thought process that keeps you up, hey, let us know that. Uh, text it in, write it in. Uh, let us know what you're talking about. Call in because we want to know. But most people, it comes down to, man, if I don't have that income, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. I mean, I've saved a good amount of money. I got this big old pile of money, but that doesn't pay me every month. So what we're talking about is really what retirement, Jennifer, has always been about. It has nothing to do if you got a million dollars in the bank or 15 cents. It's where's the income going to come from right. to pay your stuff. And this is why I've said for a long time, hey, income is the outcome in retirement. Think about it. If you had an income, let's assume that you got your debts paid off. If you had $60,000 a year, which some people say, well, that sounds like a ton of money. And other people say, that's not nearly enough. $5,000 a month is what $60,000 a year is. If you had $5,000 a month that came in and you didn't have any debts, could you live off that? Think about it. Some people say, well, I don't know. I may not love that, but I could do it if I had to. Mm -hmm. Right. And other people say, man, I could live like a king on that. Mm -hmm. Not only do I not, we don't do a lot, man. That would give me all kinds of, we could actually travel. We could do all these things. But what we just did is we did a really quick mental image just then on what would we really need to have to retire? Well, what does it feel comfortable? Because let me just tell you the truth. Here's what you're going to need. You're going to need about what you're currently making. Mm -hmm. The last three or four years that you're working, you're going to need about what you're bringing in then for the first three to five years of retirement. You are, because you're not going to understand what it's going to take yet to do some things. You're going to replace all that time you were working 
with things that might actually cost money. Yep. Like some golf stuff. Yes. or traveling. <laughs> or is and some people say, well, I'm just going to hang out with my grandkids. You think that's not going to cost you money? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you just loaded up those three little tots in the back of the minivan and took them out just to get a milkshake at McDonald's twice a week, that'll run you about 35 bucks. Right. Yeah. So you just do that twice a week for four weeks. Next thing you know, what are you looking at? $150 a month. That's probably more than your cable bill. Mm-hmm. See how it happens? Yep. So what you have to have for you to be able to sleep at night is an income. If you have a pension, you should already feel a little better, right? Mm-hmm. And I talk to a lot of people, Jennifer, that have pensions, and frankly, they're a little cavalier. They walk in <laughs> here cocky. with a little bit of swagger. They're <laughs> looking for the spittoon in the side of the room. John, let me tell you something, boy. The way it worked here is I put in my time. And they're going to pay me until I am dead in the grave. (laughs) And I don't have to do a dang thing for it. So you can take these two little nickels I saved and we're good. But the thing of it is, is that, yes, that's exactly what it is. You earned that income. As long as they stay solvent and can pay you, man, you got a great life. That is awesome. But what happens if we don't have that? Well, those are the folks that are just like we were talking about a second ago. People are a little nervous. People that don't sleep well at night. They toss and turn. Doesn't matter if you get a tempurpedic bed or a sleep number, it doesn't help you sleep. Because for whatever reason, something in your mind says, holy moly, banks are only paying about a percent right now, maybe less. And the stock market is almost at all time highs. And and I hear these people say, Man, it's really expensive. What if it does go down 30, 40, 50, even 60 percent? Where am I gonna get my income from? Yeah. And that's why people get nervous. Guys, this is an easy fix. This is actually why we created one of the strategies we use called the Omega Strategies. It's built specifically for income. And most people, the reason they gravitate to this is because of the reason we call it Omega, it's the end. Hmm. It's as we get nearing the end of the road where we're wanting to retire and we need to turn that big old pile of money, that big old nest egg, we need to turn it into some spendable cash that needs to come in monthly right? Mm -hmm. And so that's why we created these Omega strategies. It's the end road for us because income is the outcome, the last thing we need in retirement. And so by doing this, many of our clients can get a tremendous amount of protection on their portfolios, but they can actually spend a monthly income, four, five, six, seven, even 8%, and it pays them monthly. They can just spend that money knowing that they have a good amount of protection on their portfolios. Now, this type of strategy isn't right for everyone. Okay. But the more people I talk to say, well, yeah, John, my guy says, you know, I can't really even take the 4% rule out right now because mm. things are so volatile. I may only be able to take 3% out of my portfolio. Oh. Ooh, how much money would you have to save to get 60 grand a year if you can only pull out 3% a year? That's what, a $2 million portfolio? That's and- a $2 million oh, portfolio. Man. And most of us do not have that much saved. And even but, if we uh, did, is 3% a good rate of return? No, it no, seems ridiculous. Terrible. Yeah. So if you can take a portion of those dollars and do something like a strategy like an Omega type strategy where you can get substantially more income and you can still have a portion of the portfolio completely safe where it can never have any risk whatsoever. And you can have another portion that might be in like Microsoft or Apple or Amazon or take your pick, the things that you feel, hey, long term, this is the money that I hope is going to last to offset inflation Mm -hmm. and to maybe have something left over for the grandkids. See, it lets you do a really proper diversified portfolio because we're not relying on the entire bucket of all the money just to create an income. So if you're not sleeping at night, my real thought is you don't have a proper income design strategy. And that's an easy fix, too. But you have to know where to start. And it typically starts with understanding how much income do you need. And if Mm -hmm. you start there and you call my staff, 
they will be able to tell you in just a couple quick minutes what you're going to need to do. And we'll set you on the right path. Seeking out the retirement solution that works for you? Seek us out online at retirementsolutionradio.com. I have to say, I love the headlines that Ford's making with their new Bronco right now. Have you seen the new Bronco? You know, I have. As a matter of fact, I just pulled up a picture of this because I was trying to figure out why does it feel like I've seen this before? And you know what it is, what Jennifer? Is it? It's like a child <laughs> of the old Land Rover Defender okay. plus a Jeep Wrangler uh-huh. plus those Toyota FJ Cruisers. Oh, if you put yeah. all of those three things together, that is the Ford Bronco. It's pretty freaking cool. You know who's getting the number one Ford Bronco off the line? Who's that? O.J. Simpson. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The most famous Ford Bronco in the history of Ford Broncos. (laughs) If there was one better than that, tell me. Yeah, he did some great advertising for them uh, way back when. But uh, it was funny because they had to put off their announcement. They originally scheduled it on the anniversary of that whole Bronco chase. I don't know if that was intentional or not. (laughs) You got to figure uh, it was not the intention. (laughs) Well, they have officially unveiled it now. And Ford COO Jim Farley tells Fox Business that uh, it's really made with a very specific buyer in mind. And it is very popular. In fact, it's sold out its first round already. The interest in Bronco is just through the roof. And I think it's because people really want more authentic vehicles. There's just a lot of interest in vehicles that are designed for a single purpose. In this case, it's to get out in the wild. So if you look back, you know, the last Broncos were sold in 95, 96, that time frame, those John. Were the last years? Yeah, those were the was last years. The Broncos or the Bronco 2s? Was it the same thing? Was the entire Bronco think, line? I think that was so, kind of, yeah. Okay. I think it all ended about 25 years ago. So wow. at that time, it would run you about $20,000 for one of those vehicles new. Now okay. the base model is about thirty k, and with for all real? the options, that price tag though can go to more than sixty thousand dollars. Woo! Yeah, sixty's a lot of money, but starting off at thirty for this thing, yeah, I don't know, that That's might a, be a deal. But you know, in looking at the price tags though, and compared to how that was twenty five years ago versus the new models here, yeah. John, what a perfect example of what we talk about here. This kind of sometimes hard to wrap our heads around, but really, what inflation does to our buying power over time. And that's kind of the, the idea that, you know, when, when someone says, okay, John, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about retiring and, uh, and I've got this amount of money and I, I think I can live off of, you know, 25 grand a year plus social security. So then maybe that makes it $50,000 a year, mm-hmm. whatever it is. But you got to remember, you know, as we age and as time goes on, if we have inflation, if inflation grows, it means we got to have a little bit more money there. Sometimes we forget that. I was talking to someone a few weeks ago. And here's what they said. Well, John, I've saved $500,000 and I'm going to pull $50,000 a year. So I know for a fact that my money can last for at least 10 years. Can you do better than that? And I'm like, well, number one, yes. But number two, uh, there's no factor of inflation there. You know, 10 years from now, if we just have the normal things that as retirees we will pay for, if we're just paying our taxes, which of course, guys, are they going down or are they going up? Oh, I'm guessing Uh, up. (laughs) They're going up. Um, If we pay for our health care and things like that and (laughs) prescription drugs, those going down or those going up? I would Uh. say up. And and then just all the normal things that we got to pay is our LG&E bill, is our gas, is our electricity bills, cable bills. Those going down or are they going up? You know the Uh, answer. Typically, they're going up. So if we actually need 50 grand a year today 
Five years from now, that's going to be more like $57,000. So the idea that we have to understand here is this, is the Broncos coming back and it cost 50% more uh, than it did. It went from 20 grand to 30 grand. And if you look at the high end value, it went from 20 grand to 60 grand. That's 300% more cost. So that's what inflation does. So how can we be certain that what we're doing is going to align us to be okay in the future? Can we truly afford to have our money in a whole bunch of bank CDs earning 0.5 or 0.6 or 0.7%. Guys, I know they're safe. Mm -hmm. I know they help you sleep a little bit at night because you know that, hey, come heck or high water, they can't take that away from me. But having said that, can we afford to let our money basically go away slowly? Hmm. Uh, Basically, a CD stands for a certificate of depreciation. So this is why I always tell everyone, even if you hate the stock market, you still have to have something that can grow doesn't mean it has to be in the stock market. There's all kinds of alternatives out there where someone can get much better growth. Maybe they can get 4 to 6% and they don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Those things exist. There's all kinds of things, but you have to keep up with inflation or frankly, our money won't keep up with us. Yeah, you have to think about that, especially when retirement today is lasting a long time, 20, 30 years, maybe even more. Since we're on the topic of uh, some of our favorite cars this weekend, John, Ooh. what kind of car did you drive when you were young and hip back in the day in Owensboro, Kentucky. I don't know that anyone would have called me hip (laughs) back in the day. I mean, if I wasn't being able to use my mom's, what was it, 1987 Toyota Camry, uh-huh. Um, I remember one of the, yeah, oh yeah, it was sweet. It was, <laughs> I, there was, that was I a babe magnet this. right there. Right. Uh, one of the very first cars I had in Owensboro was a, a fleet car from Texas Gas. It was a 1984 Cutlass Calais Supreme. Ooh, Ooh baby. It was white with velour blue seats. <laughs> it was awesome. Four door. It was creme de la creme. Oh my. It was awesome. We're going to dig out some pictures of that and <laughs> yeah, share yeah, it on the you, Facebook if, page if or you something. Pull up, uh, but, uh, let's see, what year was that? 1984. For Oldsmobile Cutlass Calais Supreme. That was awesome. Um, but as far as the car that I probably had for the longest period of time, I had a 1965 Chevy pickup truck ah. that uh, it was my godfather's uh-huh. and he owned the Southern States, which is kind of like the, you know, the tractor implement in the small mm-hmm. towns. And uh, it was, it had been messed up. The engine had blown up. And so the only engine they could find that would fit it was from a 1981. It was a 380 of an, out of a 1981 Corvette. And here's the amazing thing. It had a three-speed, it was called a three-in-the-tree. If any of you Uh out there know what that is, it only had three transmission gears. (laughs) And so I had a 380 from a Corvette and a 65 Chevy pickup truck that only had three freaking gears. So when I was going 48 (laughs) miles per hour, it sounded like we someone was going 180 with like a Hemi engine right beside you. It was unbelievable. Uh, Needless to say, uh, that turned a lot of heads. Not in a good way. I think we all have great memories of some of our first cars and even if they weren't your first car some cars are actually kind of good to hang on to apparently because market watch says there was a 71 plymouth barracuda that cost forty three hundred dollars new but they recently sold it for two and a half million dollars why couldn't i have that car john what whoa hold on hold on a 1971 plymouth barracuda Uh uh-huh the only thing i can think of with barracuda is that heart song Oh, oh, Barracuda. Yeah. That's Barracuda. the only thing. Uh, yeah. There you go. There you go. Oh. <laughs> so did, it, why on earth would that car go for that? Did it say why? No. I, I mean, apparently, though, a lot of these cars are very valuable. Even some of the old Broncos that we were talking about. You know, if yeah. you have a one in pristine condition, 
those things are selling really, really well, you know, in the upper 70s, I believe, right now. So, oh my gosh. I mean, you can you can make a profit on this. So this brings me to my final question for you here on today's show. Do you have clients like that who like to maybe collect cars or they've held on to things like that and maybe have some unusual assets? Absolutely. And this is one of the things I think probably separates our firm from a lot of others. There is nothing out there that I don't think could be a potentially decent investment. As long as you're passionate about it, Mm -hmm. you don't care how much it grows and you don't overdo your portfolio. I got clients that literally want physical gold bullion. You know, and they, and they keep it in their safe. And my whole thing is, and I tell them the same thing every time, I think it's perfectly fine. I think there's nothing wrong with having five to eight percent of your money in a precious metal. That doesn't bother me one single bit. Okay. Now here's the question. If we have a zombie apocalypse <laughs> and you think that the currency world is going under, how on earth are you going to pay for a tank of gas? Are you going to walk around with just a chisel and that gold bar? Right. <laughs> how, how, how are you going to chisel off enough to make sure it's just 40 bucks for that tank of gas and you're not giving them $400? Yeah. I think that's tough. But I, I laugh about that. Uh, a couple of our clients, they do collect art. A couple of them collect regatta sailboats, believe it or not. Uh, they obviously don't race those around here. Right, uh, but some of those things are a couple thing. million bucks a pop. I Woo. mean, those suckers are, are no joke. And then we do have a couple of uh, classic car collectors and a couple of uh, gunsmiths uh, that make some pretty outrageous guns. And they collect these things. And the whole thing is, it's just like with any investment. If you own it, the question is, is that do you love it? Is that something you want to own? Well, then there's nothing wrong with that. If it diversifies your portfolio and works out for you, that's great. Now, you also have to be willing to accept the losses. Uh, And I say that because I was a huge baseball card collector back in the day. I mean, I probably put thousands and thousands of dollars in my high school days and and younger than that into baseball cards. Unfortunately, that pastime has kind of lost favor. And so a lot of my Ken Griffey Jr. and Don Mattingly rookie cards, uh, George Brett, Robin Yant, they don't have the same value they did back in the day. So, you know, I've lost a good amount of money on that. The only saving grace, I had a couple Michael Jordan rookie cards that actually kind of worked out to kind of offset all those losses from everything else. And those weren't even worth as much until that whole uh, thing that came out during COVID of the uh, the Last Dance, that Michael Jordan documentary that came on. Those cards shot through the roof. And so now I know their value. And I'm I'm honestly thinking about selling some of those now. Okay. um, Just because the values got to the point to where I don't know that it can ever eclipse that. Right, yeah. Uh, maybe, Maybe if he passed away, you know, 15 years from now, so, uh, but those are those things. So I think that investing in anything is good uh, from restaurants to passive ownership of, of real estate. Although I would be a little cautious about that right now. Mm-hmm. If you've been out there, Jennifer, and you and I have just talked about this, you know, off air today, you know, what's going to happen to commercial real estate, you know, after a lot of these businesses go out Yeah, and all those People strip are malls. working from home and, yeah. you know, so. Are these strip malls going to be worth it? Are those skyscrapers going to be 50% of them aren't even occupied? What is the value of those buildings going to be? You got to wonder about those things. So in anything we invest in, again, you shouldn't own anything that you don't know the reason why. Why do you own that? Is it because it can grow? Is it because it diversifies? Or is it because it can give you income? If it's any of those three things, fabulous. If you don't know why you own it, why do you own it? <laughs> right. And know so, and your so, why. <laughs> yes. And, and, so, and, and that's the whole thing. Because I talk to people, Jennifer, all the time. They'll have 83 different funds in their accounts. They're like, well, my guy just said to spread it out. 83 things. I mean, 83 things. And that sounds almost kind of ridiculous. How would you even know what's doing right and what's doing wrong? Yeah. And typically it just tells me they have a very novice uh, investment advisor or they did it themselves. And again, it's a novice concept. So you want everything you own to do something for 
you. And if it does that, keep it. If it doesn't, think about changing or at least, again, get a second opinion. Just run the numbers. Have questions for John? Drop us an email at retirementsolutionradio.com. Financial professionals are not licensed in all 50 states. To find out if John Hicks is licensed in your state, please call 502-690-5635. J. Hagen Capital Inc. is not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency and does not provide legal advice. Annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuing insurance company. By contacting us, you may be provided with information about insurance and annuity products offered through John Hicks, Kentucky Insurance License Number 998827.